Hey everybody and welcome to episode 113 of the Revive Yourself podcast. Here we go. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Have you got a health issue that just won't go away no matter what you try? Then welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, where we reveal the secrets to long-lasting health by getting to the root cause of problems that no one else is talking about. So you can have more energy, clear skin, healthier hair, a leaner physique, more confidence, and most importantly, do the things you love and live the life you deserve. Here's your host, Ryan Martin. So guys and girls, welcome back to the show. Episode 113, kicking on, going strong. Hope you're all well. Um, today, we've got a, a great show with some well, This is going to open your mind to different uh, possibilities or different thinking, at least, I should say. Um, before we get there, uh, as always, the show is brought to you by www.reviveyourself.co, where we've got all our articles on Everything health you can find over there, as well as the other 113 podcast episodes. Um, also, in our Revive Cell shop, we've got quality supplements that are all, all organic, um, nothing synthetic that we sell. Um, and they're all there to boost your immune system and just uh, cleanse your body and give your body concentrated nutrients. And if you haven't already tried any of the Living Fuel products, either the Super Greens or Super Berry, and you're looking for a, a concentrated a dense, nutrient-dense drink that's going to give you energy, cleanse the body. I mean, this, this stuff's got Krebs cycle minerals, um, and I suggest you get on it if you're looking for something to give you that energy boost as well. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. As well as the new stuff from Ancient and Brave, actually, the collagen and cacao mix, I really love that too. Um, it's full of superfoods. It's, it's full of great fats for the brain as well as cacao, which is going to stimulate you, give you energy without stimulating your central nervous system, which is going to be great for you. Um, we've also got our... All our stuff from Aries Tech, the EMF blocking devices, the best I've seen in the market, um, as well as our water filtration systems from Aquatair. So remember, if you're, it's not just the water that you're drinking, you're also washing this water, you're washing your clothes in this water, you're cooking your food in this water, and you want it to be as clean as possible. You don't want any heavy metals in there, parasites, protozoa, different bacteria, and the water filtration systems from Aquatair are going to clean 99.9% of all that out um, so you're going to have a completely different experience with the water uh, whether you've got hard, hard or soft uh, sorry hard or soft water um, and whether you've got a one two three or four bed house we've got the options for you uh, if I can speak that is um, so yeah head on over there and also if you head on over to blueblocks.com b-l-u-b-l-o-x.com you can get your the best blue blocking glasses on the market and you put in the code REVIVE you get 10% off and if you head on over to www.essentialoilwizardry.com you can get the best essential oils on the market in my opinion from Dr Nick Berry if you put in the code REVIVE in small letters that's REVIVE in small letters you're going to get 10% off now on to today's show who we uh, well we talked to Dr Thomas Cowan um, and <laughs> He's someone I first heard on uh, a different podcast, Extreme Health Radio, talking about how the heart isn't a pump. Um, he's got lots of, uh, he's got many different books out which we go through in the show. Um, and he's a really interesting guest. He's based in San Francisco. He's on the West Coast. We talk about lots of different stuff. So without further, further ado, here's Dr. Thomas Cohen. Enjoy, and I'll see you on the other side. So the question, the question was... Um, 
having listened to you before, you you said that you were you maybe been pushed into being a doctor, but having gone through it, you weren't really that sort of enamoured by the the way it was done. And uh, you seem to have said that you were passing tests, giving answers just to pass the test. You weren't really that interested until you started to maybe see a, a broader approach or a different a different way of doing things. Yeah, I I you know basically essentially didn't want to be a doctor because I didn't like the way they thought or the way they, you know, the way medicine was, was conducted. And then I, I would say inadvertently or by chance or however these things work, uh, ran into the work of Rudolf Steiner and Weston Price that convinced me that there was a whole different way of being a doctor than anything that I'd ever heard in growing up or in school. And that kind of a doctor had more of an appeal to me, so that's what I did. So the unusual part of my story was, I guess, how I met these things. But also, I went into medicine knowing that I wasn't going to be a conventional, you know, practicing doctor. So we're talking over 40 years ago. And so... With with that, you you I've, I think I've heard you say that you had uh, well, you started to focus on nutrition, which is very uh, you said you have Western price etc., which is um, very unusual for a say conventional doctor. What was it that pushed you towards, or what, how did you find um, their their teachings? Western price, yeah, Western price and, and Rudolf Steiner. I was in a teaching gardening in Swaziland, which is southern Africa, and the. Uh, other guy who was at the same village as me had had uh, worked on a biodynamic farm in Zimbabwe. It was Rhodesia at the time. And he gave me a book on uh, Weston Price book on nutrition and physical degeneration. And so having nothing else to do in Swaziland, I read it. And I realized that, you know, food had a huge impact on our health, I kind of had some idea of that before, but not like I did then. And so then I've spent, like I said, the next 40 years thinking about treating people, working on food. We have our own company that, you know, makes vegetable powders. And, you know, it's been a sort of food journey ever since. Hmm. So when you read that book, was you still... Was you still getting a timeline? Like, had you finished your medical training, or was you still going through medical no, I school? Was, I was, uh, had finished, you know, undergraduate, so university, but mm-hmm. I was, I would say, trying not to go to medical school. Okay, so when you, so when, so after reading that book and then having <coughs> to go to medical school, was it? Did you find it hard to? I mean, you said before you sort of like taking tests and answering questions just to get past the paper. Was it hard to? Mate, or did did you did you start to to uh, to, to speak about what you'd read and and did other people or other teachers or your your professors, for example, sort of dismiss that, or was or did you just sort of like keep it to yourself? I kept it to myself. I basically decided that it would they weren't interested, which they weren't. It was none of their business, and I was there to get the degree. And in order to do that, I had to pass the tests and, you know, do all the other clinical things that, you know, were required, which, I mean, I was good at that stuff. So that really wasn't that much of a problem. And so that's what I did. 
So it was sort of just like playing the game to see. Uh, to yeah, see. I didn't talk to anybody in medical school. I, I was already part of, you know, physicians for anthroposophical medicine. So I had a group of other doctors that I, you know, we, we would meet for a week every month. And so I, I had other, you know, contacts and I was doing apprenticeships and, you know, I was doing, I was learning all kinds of things, but not in medical school. I mean, I learned some things in medical school, but not, not anything particularly useful. <laughs> Isn't that quite a, uh, yeah, quite a sad state of affairs <laughs> that you think like having gone there for that many years and done that much study underneath them to come away thinking not that much, have not learned that much, that much that's useful. And also just not being able to talk to other people about your, like what you've read. It should be like, you know, doctors meant to mean teacher in, in ancient Sanskrit. It should be something that you could talk about and discuss. Well, that's a whole different world. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the world of, you know, medicine or the culture of the United States right now. We don't, we don't talk about anything of importance because then it would under then it would become clear how corrupt and impoverished the whole thing is. So it's better just to ignore all that. <laughs> well, well you're, you're in San Francisco, correct? Yes. So, I mean, up and down that, that West Coast, I mean, it's quite a health call. California is probably one of the most health conscious, um, I'd say, states in America. Um, in terms of a lot of people in the natural health world are up and down that west coast, um, everywhere from San Fran all the way down, uh, down the other end. Uh, and so, have you found um, people in San Francisco coming to you that that are more clued up about sort of the, the, the natural natural healing and how the body works, or or are people just as uh, lost in San Francisco as everywhere else? Um, it's a little bit of both. I mean. It's, it's, you know, it's hard for me to say in a sense because, because nobody comes to me who wants conventional medicine. So obviously I see a very skewed population. I mean, we certainly have a robust food culture and a robust, you know, organic agriculture um, culture, mm -hmm. but we also have some of the most draconian you know, vaccine laws and, and, you know, it, it, it's mostly normal stuff. I mean, the fact that so, somehow California is this mecca of progressive vision is, I would say, mostly an illusion. Mm -hmm. There's certainly a lot of people here who are fed up with the normal way of thinking and living life. That's mm -hmm. also true. But um, I mean, I don't have much to do with the, quote, normal California experience, so I kind of wouldn't know much about that. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, uh, it's something that I think it's, it's quite, um, it's quite a progressive place in some respects, but in, 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 in terms, I think maybe people's, people, um, uh, on the West Coast, I mean, because of the weather, obviously the seas there, if you're looking for somewhere health, you know, about in the sun, but then, but then, um, if you, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Is it? It can be quite an illusion, especially with the with your vaccine laws out there right now. Are they, are they, are they going for mandatory vaccines in California? Yeah, California is the 
the worst state in the country right now and maybe getting a lot worse very soon. So that's the other sort of dark side. And the other, we may be one of the first, maybe not the first, but to roll out the 5G, uh, which is an unbelievably stupid and harmful experiment for not just human life, but basically all life on Earth. And so, of course, California is leading the way in that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, just because it comes from California doesn't mean it's somehow to be trusted. You know, 5G is something we've talked about many times on, on, on the show already. It's something that they're, they're going to test over here at Glastonbury Festival. It's something that, I mean, I don't know. We, I think in certain certain countries are actually burning these uh the 5G um, lampposts or whatever they're on. Um, and uh, it's something that is, yeah, it's be to be greatly feared, I think, in terms of what it can do. I mean, have you have you had any any sort of um, kickback from people? Are, are there people going to be taken to the streets to saying that we don't want this? What's been, uh, is there any sort of, sort of like thing going around California that you know about with regards to that? Uh, maybe a little bit, but I'd say it's, California is also probably at the forefront of pushing for it because, you know, it's it's sort of the tech hub of the world in a sense. Uh, so it's like everything here, it's both. There's certainly a, a sub segment of the population who doesn't want it, uh, but the majority, including the mainstream politicians, I, I mean, I'm not a politician, so I can't say I know a whole lot about that. But my guess is <clears throat> they'll be pushing it as hard as possible here. Yeah. Because the, the whole their whole sense of of progress and evolution and what it means to be a human being is tied up with this uh, sort of bogus artificial intelligence way of thinking. And, you know, that's a huge threat to the real um, nature of the human being. I don't know what else to say. Uh, so if that if that goes through in the way they say, which I have not much doubt that it will, but I don't really know that. I mean, that's that's an incredible game changer for what it means for biological life on Earth. Mm. It's really scary. I know it's... it's, it's really say it's progressive but it's almost regressive in terms of what it can do to us it's people don't understand like the, the the laws of nature and why we're trying to go against it uh, and with this 5g they try and say that it's all safe um it is no someone said the other day i there's been no oh i actually someone actually mentioned this in the group and they no i think they actually one of the people that follows me on facebook follows our group they actually messaged ee which is a mobile phone company over there and they said the World Health Organization has performed loads of studies on this and they've found absolutely no uh, danger, no issues of it. And I was like, well, the, health, the World Health Organization said that a smart meter was a type, um, I think it was a, a type 2 or B carcinogen. That was back in like 2008 or 2009, let alone now. Um, but of course, the World Health Organization, <laughs> I mean, not someone I really trust. Um, so it's just, but Becker's belief though, you've seen, I mean, Dr. Deborah Davis, I've had her on the show, and we went deep into the research that she's done. Do you know um, Dr. Deborah Davis? Yeah, I know a little bit about her. Yep. Yeah, 
And it's just frightening what they're saying they can do. These things can actually manipulate the body. They can put you to sleep. They they've been they've been said that they can actually like if you're going to protest, they can actually put low um, grade electromagnetic frequencies on the protesters. They've done it before, and so it's quite a. Uh, you start to wonder why they want to do this um, because. End of the day, even if you've got people in charge, uh, or or you say these secret organisations that are in charge that want to, I don't know, want to cull life, you know, they're still going to be subjected to this. They're they're still human. Their body's going to be no different. So it's, I know it's, it's the same with like the companies when it comes to money and and using um, glyphosate. You know, it's really really short sighted if it's all about money when they're just going to be as ill as everyone else if this stuff gets out. Yeah, it's hard to know what the motivation is. It's it's probably more than money. It's it's a bit like there was a famous story of a a doctor who was you know, he was basically terminally ill and he was presented with the fact that if he did this sort of holistic treatment, it would likely save him. And he chose not to because it would it would essentially shatter his, the worldview that he had lived his entire life. Mm-hmm. And he was making the very clear choice that given uh, the choice between actually dying or, or preserving his way of seeing the world, he chose preserving his way of seeing the world. And I would say that's where I huge majority of Americans, at least, I don't know much about the rest of the world, but that's the, that's where they're at. They have this particular worldview, which is based on certain philosophies, which they don't even understand how this came about. And they need to preserve that way of seeing the world at all costs. It's like a kind of a psychic defense mechanism. Yeah. And that's even pro- more powerful, I would say, than money, uh, because it's like <clears throat> I, I talk about this a lot. It, you know, luckily, because I've essentially never given any vaccines to anybody in my entire career, except a little bit as an ER doctor. But that was sort of not really in my control. Um, I don't have to go through the the waking up process and what I would say the psychic terror of somehow coming to the conclusion someday that I had just participating in the harming of thousands of children. You know, I, I'm not saying everything I did for every child I ever treated or encountered was the perfect thing to do, but more or less, if it wasn't, it wasn't me harming them. It was, I mean, whatever. Uh, but to to live with that, that because of my ignorance or incompetence or laziness or the fact that I just believe people who clearly shouldn't be believed because they've demonstrated that over and over again. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how many times people have to go through the this sort of Vioxx experience where we find out that they knew they were going to kill at least 50,000 people with that drug. They have internal memos 
we're talking about Merck, to show that they knew it and they knew they were going to be fined, but they knew that the amount of sales would easily cover the amount of fines and penalties and all that, and they chose to do it anyways. I don't know how many times people are going to believe those people in the next one. I mean, in a sense, I, I it's just it's a horrible word, but it's the true definition of being a sucker. Hmm. You know, you just uh, and, and and if you do that and you you just believe these people because they say so, and then someday you wake up and find out, you know, you were essentially had. That's a horrible experience to go through. As you said, I don't think many people will, will believe it. They will. They will they would just keep on denying it. And it's, it's like, how many times do you have to, it's like, if you see these in the films, they go, it's a movie. It's like, it's a movie based on true events, like conspiracies. How many times do you have to see this story play out before you actually believe it? I just don't under, with the vaccines, when they, they got, we've got someone up, up on, uh, in the UK today, he's pushing for mandatory vaccines and saying people that don't vaccinate got blood in their hands. And, and it's just like, how ignorant and naive are you? But also, I, I don't understand how, it's possible still. I mean, I've been doing this a long time now, and so I, un- I understand why, but people that genuinely are arrogant enough to think they know it all, the science is settled, they say. The science is settled. Well, for, <laughs> not what I've been reading for the last time. I can give people... I've, I've got saved on my documents here. Yeah, I've got another... I've got um, over 100 different studies and I think 30 different um, documentaries, different uh, different people I've talked talk to about the vaccines, etc. They all disprove it massively. I don't understand how these people can't or haven't come across these studies or how the, the, the science community is so split on this. It's, it's, it's almost like beggar's belief how you've got so many people like... Obviously, to get a doctorate, you've got to be a certain level of intelligence to be able to get that information. But it's so how people like yourself, MD, went through it. Um, people like Dr. Sherry, um, Sherry Tempenny, you said before, Stephanie Seneff, you know, got these people that are extremely intelligent that uh, can see what's been happening. And yet they've got these people that, on the other side, that believe that they're the best thing that's ever happened to medicine. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, the vast majority of the doctors who you talk to, they they just don't know anything about it. They've never looked into it. You know, I was watching a, an interview the other day with Bobby Kennedy, and they had some some doctor who was pro-vaccine on. And, of course, Bobby, who knows more about the science about vaccines than maybe anybody alive right now, you know, he's he's going through the, the actual research and the the guy on the other side just kept saying over and over again. But why would, you know, these institutions, Johns Hopkins and WHO and CDC and FDA and HHS, why would they tell us stuff that they know isn't true? It's all about the motive. They they rarely know or question the actual you know, papers or the facts or the so-called science behind it. They ne- they rarely do that. They just say, you know, what? Well, why would they do this? You know, it. I mean, if when people ask me that, I just say, I don't know. Ask them. Mm. It's a, it's a uh, weird, yeah. 
It's a weird one, but it's a well. To put it, put it this way: it's the same with your the book that you had, uh, Human Heart, Cosmic Heart, um, for example, um, where the we talked before the the conventional or say conventional um, thought uh, around the heart is that it pumps the blood, and that heart attacks are caused by um, cholesterol. Um, in in the in the vein in the veins in the arteries, so I mean the blood flows impaired, um, and yet this is something that a lot of people, uh, a lot of doctors as well, um, know to be false. Now, just for example, have you found it hard, um, not hard, or have you had any sort of like kickback from doctors saying that because in your book like what what you what you've written about have you have you found that there to be much kickback from other doctors saying that what you're saying is is false no but but partly because you know i'm not like some hugely famous figure in this so most doctors never heard of it uh i do though because i'm because i am talking about you know, only 20% of heart attacks are caused by blocked arteries, which means 80% are not. And nobody's talking about, so what happened to these other 80%? And even some of the latest studies are now showing that, that, you know, up to 60 to 80% of people who have all the signs and symptoms of heart disease have no evidence of atherosclerosis. That's according to the European Heart Association. So apparently I'm not the only one. Nobody says anything about this. So in that book, I presented a whole theory as to why that's happening. What are the reasons people actually have heart attacks? Uh, And then I present a whole series of interventions, particularly this uh, plant extract from a plant called Strophanthus. And since we've done that, it's been about two years now, and I have essentially a, a situation where I, any practitioner who wants to, to use Strophanthus has to call us up, and we talk for 15 minutes, and I tell them how to do it. And, you know, we've had hundreds of practitioners do that. Uh, usually, you know, these are sort of group calls. And whenever I say the theory that not all heart attacks are caused by plaque, you know, I'll have somebody who is a doctor and he actually for a while did, you know, autopsies. And he he said jokingly, when they had somebody who died of a heart attack, they would write on the autopsy, you know, he had, uh, you know, blockages in the artery and they would all chuckle because they knew that they didn't. But but it was just more work for them if they said that they didn't, and then they had to try to figure out why they really died. So they just said he did and just left it at that. But it was kind of the standing joke in the in the autopsy suite that we all know this isn't true. And I hear a variation of that story, you know, almost every month or every week. Somebody says something. It's 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 like a situation where, you know, everybody kind of knows that it's true, but you're not allowed to speak of it publicly. It's like the the myth of the emperor has no clothes. The emperor is driving around the the town naked, and nobody wants to say because they're afraid of getting whacked. 
Like I, it's, it's, it's something. Yeah, it just, it just makes it almost like uh, it's very, it feels very backwards when you can't tell people the truth because they, there's been so much. I mean, what this is the thing. First of all, uh, because I've actually mentioned it, I just like, like if you can in a in a, in a description, just explain people because if you're saying that the, the the heart doesn't pump blood around the body, what what does it do? Um, and and secondly, and secondly. Why? What is what is backing this this thought that the arteries are blocked? Why? Why have? Why do people? What? Yeah. What? What's? What's the? Uh, I should say the people behind it that's pushing this, pushing that this is the reason you get heart disease. Why has no one actually come out with the truth? Or why is in the mainstream have they not looked more into this and actually looked at the, st- the stats and seen like eighty percent of people don't have that going on? Why is that not being looked into more? Uh, well, the the answer to that one is partly because, I mean, actually, in, when the theory that blocked arteries cause heart attacks started in the 40s, and most of the cardiologists didn't believe it. They actually said people with blocked coronary arteries have less heart attacks because they develop a better, ro- uh, more robust collateral circulation, which is the small blood vessels that make a detour around the blockages. So as you develop these, this plaque in your major arteries, you, that puts pressure on more collateral circulation. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's because it's the collateral circulation that most of the blood flow to your heart comes from, probably the worst thing that could happen to people would be if we developed a medicine that completely stopped plaque from forming, then... There would be, sorry about that, there would be less collateral circulation. (coughs) Sorry about that. Um, And people would have more heart attacks. So so this became disputed over the next 20, 30 years. Once they started doing bypasses and stents, which essentially was a surgical procedure to bypass these blockages, uh, then that became the way that cardiologists made their money. And not only that, it became the way that most of the hospitals in the U.S. essentially fund their program. So the entire focus shifted to this coronary artery theory with very little evidence that it actually treating, uh, you know, with stents and bypasses actually worked. There was a recent article in The Lancet with the first time they did a a study with people with blockages and in half the group they put a stent in and the other half they put a catheter in, told them they put a stent in but didn't. So essentially they just told them they fixed it but didn't. Eight weeks later they had these exact same symptoms. And this was published in The Lancet, which is one of the biggest medical journals in the world. And this was picked up by the Atlantic and the New York Times under the heading of stents proven useless. So, you know, as I say, I'm not the only one who has got onto this. As the European Heart Association says, at least 60% of heart attacks and heart disease are not associated with atherosclerosis. 
it's just amazing they still put stents into people if they're like what so their so their reasoning is that these stents allow the arteries to remain clear or at least it opens them up for things to pass so what if they if they are having no benefit what would you say is it then that people that generally get them they maybe they're going to they don't have another heart attack is it the drugs they're taking because i'm i'm sure statins are, <laughs> are not that great for you but or is it because these people generally they change their diet and they change their lifestyle and so it might look like the stents improve them but it's actually the way that they've changed their life yeah i mean <clears throat> the the official studies and i i think this is not even disputed because at least in the united states you're not allowed to tell people that after you put a stent in, this will decrease the risk of having another heart attack or lengthen your life. That's considered disproven. You were allowed to say this should give you less chest pain, but now that we have this study, even that's in dispute. So, you know, they, they, the indication up until recently was it helped reduce your pain, but it's not going to help you live longer or have another uh, reduce your risk of having another heart attack. I would say a lot of the people, you're right, when they have a stent, they uh, improve their diet, they exercise more, they sort of take stock of who they are and what they're doing with their life, and all that helps. <clears throat> but as try as they <clears throat> have, they've been unable to show improved survival benefit from putting in stents oh really or no. bypasses right no no improved survival benefit okay i mean for most people i mean i do want to get onto onto that question about the heart but for most people um having i mean 50 percent of heart attacks come out of nowhere and they're, they're fatal right um People don't even, there's no pre-warning, there's no warning i mean i'm, I'm sure some people have a heart attack and don't even realize they've had one Yep, that that does happen. And I'm not sure fifty percent are fatal, but and is it fifty percent of fatal? No, is it no? Sorry, fifty percent. I think it. I remember having Dr. Joel Kahn on here and uh, Dr. Wolfson. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Them two. Um, one of the stats. I think it was maybe not fatal. I think fifty percent might have been with no like previous heart. Um, yeah, maybe no prior chest pain. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, that might be it. So, so we've. So with your so, I mean, the 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 heart pumps blood. Everyone knows that, right? Would be what someone would say. What are you on about? Of course, the heart pumps blood. If it doesn't, Doctor Cohen, what does the heart do? So the best way to understand that is we have this one, approximately one point one pound organ that has variable thickness and. We have a, a blood vessels that would encircle the earth three times. Right. So the heart, the heart comes out of the, uh, the blood comes out of the heart. It goes through the major arteries and then it goes through the arteries to the arterioles and then the capillaries and then up back to the heart through the through the veins. So if you picture this, it, picture it going around the earth one time. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, if you measure the speed of the blood, it's going the fastest when it exits the heart. It's going uh, the same speed as it enters the heart. So entering and exiting the heart is when it's going the fastest. And then it slows down and slows down until it gets to the capillaries. 
where it stops and does a little backwards and forwards shimmy, and then it gets going again. So the way that I describe that to people, it's like if you were taking a bus from New York to, to San Francisco, and the bus starts going really fast in New York, and then it stops in St. Louis, which is halfway across the country, to let people on and let people off, which is what the blood does. Uh, it <clears throat> offloads food and oxygen and takes on waste products and carbon dioxide. And meanwhile, <clears throat> this blood is, is very sticky fluid with a bunch of stuff floating in it, like white blood cells and red blood cells and platelets. So there's an article on my website, humanheartcosmicheart.com, by a mechanical engineer who estimated that the amount of force needed to generate the pressure to move this blood all the way around the body, in other words, to push all the way around the earth, would be about 15,000 times higher than the heart is able to generate. Mm -hmm. Because you have to push this fluid, very sticky fluid with stuff in it. And meanwhile, the fluid goes, the blood goes, uh, goes, uh, goes less and less fast until it stops. So it's like if you have a, you take this bus from New York to St. Louis, and then the bus stops, and there's no engine in the bus. So how is the bus going to go from St. Louis to San Francisco? Because it obviously can't be pushed from behind because it already stopped. And I can tell you that I'm not going to get on that bus if there's no engine in the bus in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So the, the pump must be at the level of the capillary. There's no reason for a pump. And when we say a pump, we mean a pressure propulsion device. Yeah. In other words, the walls of the heart are squeezing and somehow propelling the blood around the body. Yeah. The other thing I would point out is that when you look at the exit uh, of, the, of the blood through the left ventricle, from the left ventricle, it goes out uh, through what's called the aortic arch, which is shaped like a McDonald's arch. And it's a bit like if you have a, a spigot at, uh, off of your house and you put a U-shaped flexible garden hose mm -hmm. off of the spigot. Mm -hmm. And then you turn the water off. That's the diastole or the heart is resting. And then because you're going to have to push all this fluid all the way around the earth, you have a pretty strong uh, pump. And so you're going to push you're going to open the spigot and let the water flow through this U-shaped tube. The tube, as anybody knows, would tend to straighten, right? Uh, if you turn the spigot on, U-shaped uh, garden hose, yep. the, 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 hose pressure, will the pressure straightens, yeah. But an interesting, what, what you see in the aortic arch is during systole, when the heart is so-called pumping, it makes a more of a U-shaped angle. In other oh. words, it bends in, really? okay. which makes no sense. Hmm. There's no way you can push fluid through a flexible U-shaped tube and have the tube bend in. Uh, the other thing is when you look in the embryo, the blood is moving before there's even a heart. 
So the blood moves first, and then the heart comes second. So, okay. So, so, so the heart's so when, reacting to the blood. So when you think about it, you, it's, it's clear that the blood, the movement, the initiation for the movement of the blood must be at the level of the capillaries. And that's, you know, what I call this hydrostatic force that works through the fourth phase of water, and it creates propulsion of the water, which starts it flowing. The same thing happens in this sap of the trees. And then as the blood moves up the venous system, it coalesces into, uh, you know, fewer and fewer blood vessels. It's like a watershed coalescing into a river. And as it does that, just the compression makes it go faster and faster. So then it comes faster and faster, finally gets to the heart. <coughs> so the function of the heart is to be a holding tank. In other words, the blood comes into the heart. The chambers are flexible, so they expand. That, that expansion of the ventricle creates positive pressure inside the ventricle and essentially negative pressure or a vacuum on the other side of the valve. When that pressure differential becomes great enough, the valve opens, the arch gets sucked in, and the, and the blood gets distributed to the body. Mm -hmm. So it's essentially like how a hydraulic ram works. Yeah, I was about to say that. Is it a bit like a dam sort of, but not, not yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, dam with a flex, with a expandable tank. Yeah. Uh, when uh, you put a hydraulic ram <clears throat> in fast moving water, it holds the water back. Mm -hmm. It builds up pressure, not because the walls are pushing anything, but because they're holding it back. In the heart, you create a vortex. So essentially the, quote, energy of, of creation or the energy of the universe enters into the blood through this vortex creation in the heart, and that re-energizes the blood, which is essentially the function of the heart, and then it gets distributed to the rest of the body. And the amazing thing about this, this is an energy-free, perpetual system that, you know, could go on for 100 years, whereas if you think about pushing with that much pressure um, <clears throat> with that small an organ, there's no way you could do that ever, but even do it for a year and the whole thing would collapse. Yeah, it is quite amazing. I mean, and so, and so for what, what does, so in, in your, in your, in your opinion, I mean, you're talking about it can, it can withstand I mean, how many beats a minute it does when you're playing sport, etc. But what keeps that that heart healthy? Then, your, for your, if you're going to give someone a um, yeah, for like top five things to do, what would be the, the things? Because obviously, I'm guessing you're not a proponent of statin drugs. Um, so, what would be the things that people, if they have been said they've got heart disease? I mean, so there's another one. I know you haven't got time to go into it today, but it's really interesting. Like you never, uh, I've heard you say like you never. People don't get cancer of the heart, you know. People don't get cancer of the of the, of the spleen, etc. But there's certain things you do get. But why? What would be the things to keep the heart healthy so people don't um, get heart disease or or a heart attack, etc. I don't know heart attack. I don't. I think I've heard you speak before saying heart attack doesn't really make sense. Um, but yeah, what what were things? What are things people can do? 
You know, <clears throat> the most important thing in medicine is, you know, we are an incredible self-regulating system, mm -hmm. which has the perfect ability to heal most things, except when people screw it up. Um, so, you know, you could you could put it in a negative or a positive way. So, for instance, eating bad food uh, makes you have, you know, all kinds of disease, including heart disease. And by the way, uh, I don't mean eating good food means eating vegan food, even though that's a common thing for heart disease. We already know that because there was essentially no heart disease before the 1940s. And there was exactly no vegans before 1940 as well. Yeah. So that's that's not the solution. <laughs> but eating, you know, basically good food the way nourishing traditions people ate it, that's the first step. And then interaction with the earth, so-called grounding, having healthy movement, healthy social life, healthy economic life. Uh, you know, getting out in the sun, healthy water. I mean, you know, people need to live the way human beings were meant to live. And if we don't, we're going to be sick. Now, in my book, I talk about, you know, medicines and strategies to, pe to help people with overt heart disease. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about, <clears throat> you know, how to not get into that situation, you're talking about eating good food, you know, movement, connecting with the earth, being out in the sun, healthy relations, healthy economic life. In other words, it's basically modern civilization that's the cause of heart disease, which we already know. And living like human beings should is the solution. Whether anybody's going to do that or not, I have my doubts. I think our listeners will definitely, they're quite, up, they're quite a, uh, an intelligent bunch. I think they'll be nodding their head in alignment with exactly what you're saying. I think it's, even now we've come up more research about how the gut can actually impact heart disease as well. I mean, um, heart health. So, yeah, everything you're saying there, Dr. Cohen, I think is, uh, is, uh, yeah, people take it on board and it is very important for people to do. So, I mean, I wish I had a little bit more, more time with you because there's a few things I'd love to go into, but I know you've got to go. But, uh, thanks very much for coming on and, and discussing this. I would like to, to get, have a deeper look at your, a couple of your other books you've got, you know, um, so you've got How and Why We Need to Eat More Vegetables, um, The Fourfold Path to Healing, uh, The Nourishing Traditions Path to Childcare, Vaccines, Autoimmunity, and The Changing Nature of Childhood Illness. Uh, it's really interesting. And obviously, The Cosmic Heart, which we, well, Human Heart, Cosmic Heart, which we're talking about there. So I'd li like to get you on another time to go a bit deeper into this. But uh, thanks for coming on and thanks for, uh, hey. for sharing that for us. Okay, thank you. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. So that was Dr. Thomas Cowan. You can find it at www.fourfoldhealing.com. Some interesting topics there all around the heart not being not being a pump and what it actually does and how it's, uh, well, how, how it, um, what it does and how the body uses it and what its functions are, as well as what we can do to keep the heart healthy, which is really important. Um, and also just all the things that are going on with 5G vaccines, etc. You know, it's a mindful out there right now. And we really have to all pull together and use that energy instead of talking about pointless mundane things. We have to really pull together 
I think it could be time to hit the streets. Um, but they have got to be looking at this. You've got to be careful. One of the things that they've actually got now with this 5G, they actually can turn it on protesters. So it's going to be something that we have to try and navigate really, really carefully. But you know, mandatory vaccines. You've got people in the medical industry that actually believe these things are still good for people and 5G. And it's just it just goes beyond common sense. How is injecting toxins into someone going to make them healthy? And also, how is uh, 5G, which the frequencies are just like microwave ovens, so it's cooking us. How are they going to be good? I mean, some people can't even go next to near mobile phones. They haven't been able to for years, let alone, I mean, if you can, we're, we're lucky you can't feel them. But just because you can't feel something doesn't mean it's not there. Uh, it's like when Russell Brown talks about how his cat doesn't know the Wi-Fi is there, but it's still there. You know, these things, you can't feel them. Like a, uh, like a root canal infection in your tooth. Um, 100% chance of infection. Most of these infections are completely um, painless. So, so maybe you've got to look into guys and girls and move, move towards uh, getting out there and just putting this message out about 5G. We do not want it. Um, and it's going to be hugely detrimental to everyone's health. And it's a slippery slope. But, you know, we can, if we all pull together, we can get through this, we just have to, as I said before, have to all be on the same team. Um, so that's it for this week's show. Uh, as always, guys, if you have got a health issue and you're looking for help and you want to get over this, then you can send me an email at ryan at reviveyourself.co um, or you can follow us on Facebook, um, Ryan Martin there, Instagram, revive underscore yourself, and you've also got a Revive Yourself page on Facebook, send me an inbox. But, if you're looking for uh, the best way probably to get in, in contact to get an instant response is uh, Ryan at reviveyourself.co where I can uh, we can have a little chat and we can uh, see if and how we can help you put you in for a free consultation to see what's been going on uh, and go from there otherwise head on over to www.reviveyourself.co for our shop our free four day mini course and everything else that's been going on um Otherwise, guys and girls, that's it for this week. As always, stay happy, stay healthy, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. If you're struggling with gut issues, such as gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, indigestion, heartburn, and want to finally be able to eat the foods you love without the crippling after effects, then don't forget to head over to reviveyourself.co and pick up your free copy of The Healing Health Paradigm today. 